can't tell if the chemistry is good by looking at it. It wasn't clear yesterday. For the last time, the saltwater pool is a chlorine pool. This is the Talking Pools podcast with pool pros from every region in the country. If it happens in a pool, you'll hear about it here. Everything from tips and hacks to the latest tricks and trends, breaking news. We lay it on the line. We tell it like it is because we think you deserve to know. Welcome to the show. Um, you're listening to Talking Pools Podcast. I'm Andrea, and I'm here with my co-host. I'm just Rudy tried Stankiewicz. to interrupt me. <laughs> Three seconds. Seriously, that's all it takes. If if you interrupting was a drinking game, everybody would be lit halfway through the show, I, I promise. it already was a drinking game. It should be if it's not somewhere. <laughs> all right. Out. Hey guys, today we have a special guest with with us. Her name is Laura Holly. She is the Director of Prevention for Meridian Behavioral Healthcare and has been working in and or around mental health for nearly 20 years in various capacities. She is a subject matter expert on stress management and was a master resilience trainer when working for the United States Army. You're going to have to tell me more about that one, Laura. Uh, she's wow, a, cool. She's a wife. She's a mom. She's Laura. She also understands the unique experience because of this, that navigating a family and a career against the backdrop of a global pandemic, how that can wreak havoc on folks. She holds a master's in counseling from Liberty University and is a certified facilitator of over a dozen curriculum supporting prevention efforts in the areas of mental health, substance abuse, suicide prevention, and victimization. Laura, say hello. Hi, thanks for having me. That is quite the resume. You've been at this. Well, thank you. You've been at this hard for a long time, a couple of decades. So what got you into mental health? You know, it, it was kind of by accident. I know, I know that's not the popular answer. Usually some people have some sort of like mission focused stuff behind it. Uh, but mine sort of grew organically. I think I, I was working when I was in my early 20s in um, jobs that were just public facing and found that I was really connected with people. And that that was something that I did easily. And then it took me a little while to figure out not everybody else did. Uh, and so I sort of pursued that, uh, learning more about that, uh, which led me into um, some of the unique experiences that I have had with the Department of Defense, with Boys and Girls Clubs, and now here with Meridian. And so you, were you in the Army or you worked as a civilian f um, for the Army? I was not in, I didn't serve, but I worked as supporting those who served. Uh, it, many, many moons ago, the Boys and Girls Clubs, which is where I, I started uh, in human services, uh, had a contract with the Department of Defense. So every military base that had a youth center, it was a Boys and Girls Club once upon a time. And so I was living in Beaufort, South Carolina at the time. So there was a natural sort of crossover between the tri-command bases there. And so it wasn't long before I ended up on Paris Island. Uh, from there, I followed um, a mentor uh, over to Laurel Bay, and then um, ended up coming to Florida to work with the Army at the National Guard level um, on Camp Landing. Oh, wow. Well, God bless you, because I'll tell you what, I did serve. And if it wasn't for the civilian workforce that supports what the troops do, I mean, it, we wouldn't have half the 
positive results that we have, um, not talking about in battle or anything like that, although definitely there as well, but just in growth, personal growth. I mean, because a lot of folks come in, they advance. This is where, you know, men and young women become older men and older women. No, that's not how you say it. Boys and girls become <laughs> men and women. That's what I was shooting for. There you go. But you it, got it. You you knew what I was talking about anyway. So, I did. but we have Lori here today for a specific reason. There's been something bouncing around social media a little bit and I saw it and it, it makes, it, it really seems to hit hard with some folks and it's true. And I just wanted to, I wanted to read a little bit of that first. And then I wanted to talk with Laura about it. If everybody could just give me a half a second. So it starts out saying running a business is hard. What they don't tell you is that it can cause severe anxiety and it drains you mentally to the point of depression in even the most laid back people. People will talk about you, compare you to others, use you. They will view you as a service and not a person anymore. You have to worry about if you forget to email or message somebody back. Are they going to think it was on purpose? Did you disappoint them? Will they hold that against you? Starting up and running a successful business puts an incredible strain on personal lives, relationships, many of which fail just because there is no work-life balance. When starting a new business, you need to be the director, the worker, the admin, the marketing team, the accountant, the cleaner, all whilst being a parent, a husband, a wife, family support, and friend. There's a reason you don't see many people succeed in small businesses after five to 10 years. It takes a toll. It's freaking exhausting, especially this past year. And looking at that from our perspective in the pool industry, as in many industries, right? We have a pandemic year. Again, this is going to be the third third pandemic year that we're heading into, something that we hoped would be gone for a long while. But then there's the other effects too that we didn't anticipate, supply chain shortages, workforce shortage, you name it. Andrea, can you add to that? What else is stressing people out about? I mean, right now, there's a lot of different things going on. Just, you know, it's... People are hard to find. Like you said, the the workforce shortages, people pay. Price increases. Yeah. People, um, you know, homeowners are upset about all the price increases as well as, you know, all of the people trying to make ends meet, trying to increase the prices for people is stressful. So there's just all kinds of stuff going on, like Rudy said. So all that while we still have COVID concerns, because you know what? We're not immune to that either. We are out there. Um, a lot of us were deemed essential. But Laura, do you have any advice for us in this scenario? Yeah. So, so you had sent me that um, before I did. we met now, and I took a look at it. And what jumped off the page at me is I'm the daughter of a small business owner. So I grew I grew up uh, with a family business. My father is in tool and dye manufacturing, has a small plant in New Jersey, um, and uh, and so you know I was cleaning toilets at the age of ten uh, in in the shop and keeping the books by thirteen, right? And so so the the lifestyle around being a small business owner has always included this element of when things get really thick and things get really tough, we do what needs to be done. We step up to the plate, we go all in, we make all these sacrifices. It's, you know, it's, it's the blood, sweat and tears and all of that equity that's put into the business. So when the pandemic began, um, that, that, 
for some folks was sort of an easy rise to the challenge. Okay, here we go again, right? And this no, we're, we're not a stranger to adversity if we're running small businesses. So we're going to jump in and we're going to, we know how to do this. And then as things drug on, we knew how to do it less, right? And, and, and there were other layers happening there as well. And so I think particularly for small business owners or anybody that's in an industry where rising to the challenge is a periodic expectation. It, we, we really need to challenge ourselves to realize how different this very, this, how very different this is. And, and we know that we can sit in the room, we can sit on the podcast, we can say how different it is, but out there in practice, when we're working every day, we're not necessarily treating it any different. Right. So uh, so that's where a lot of this burnout's coming from. And from a psychological standpoint, something interesting happened at the year mark. Right. So our, our, our brains have all these great fail safes and release all of these great chemicals and things to protect us and give us the things that we need to do to get by. That's why you hear of these crisis situations and people can lift cars and do all kinds of stuff. Right. Um, so so we, we got this burst of what we needed to get through the beginning. And then it didn't stop. We didn't get the recovery period. It kept going. Uh, and for many of us, like small business owners, we had added layers that started occurring. So it, it didn't just not get better or pause for us to recover, it got worse, right? Because in the beginning, our employees were rallying. They were there for us, right? Our families understood there, you know, this, this is not a new business, right? Um, and, uh, and then it, then those things started to fall apart too. And so, so there's these added layers. Um, sustained crisis, sustained trauma just, just hits different. It hits different psychologically, it hits different physically, um, and we have to make some changes. And those changes that need to be made are not changes that are familiar to a small business owner, to somebody who's who's used to going out there and doing the hustle all the time. Holy crap. Did you hear the news? The Talking Pools podcast now has a regular column in Pool Magazine. It is the hottest new trade mag in the industry. The edgy morning radio show style podcast with Rudy and Andrea is now on the pages of the magazine known for keeping a finger on the pulse of the pool industry. Yes, both print and digital. Download the poolmagazine.com app on Google Play today. All the rules were changed. That's what happened. All of a sudden, all of the rules were changed and changed drastically. And then somehow, and I, I know it's not just me because I spoke with other folks too, but to your point at that one year mark, you know, I'm looking at New Year's Day as the light at the end of the tunnel for no apparent reason. I don't know why I think the first of the year is going to make everything better, but that's the light at the end of the tunnel. I just have to make it through this year. And then all of a sudden, guess what? It didn't get better. Now, on top of everything else I was feeling, disappointment, and that's when it hits you because, you know, you're strong when you have to be strong, and then you let your guard down, and you get smacked right in the face again, and that's what a lot of folks are experiencing. Yep, I agree with you, and I think I, I think that, again, is sort of going back to the way that you're hardwired as a small business owner, right? Get through the year, get through the quarter, right? Then we turn the page in the ledger and it's new, right? And and we and we get to figure out where we go from here. And and the world and life just didn't give us that opportunity over the past going on three years now, you know, going into this third year. Um, and so I think that the changes that have to be made feel counterintuitive to the way that people who do this for a living are wired, right? So like, 
reduction is going to be a big part of survival right now, whether it's reduction in staff, reduction in services, reduction in, um, you know, whether it's services in terms of volume or in terms of menu of services offered, like knowing what your limits are and really spending some time not trying to be the business you were in 2019 or even the person you were in 2019, but really saying, what does this person who's been you know, knocked around like a ping pong ball in the pandemic and this business who's been right alongside it as the extra ball, what do they look like in 2022? Um, and and there's a redefinition that has to happen. And it really has been too. And, and Andrea can tell you that, um, you know, once the pandemic hit, all of a sudden I pool people and aquatics people were essential because they had to take care of water. But all of the other folks, all of the other folks who had to stay home started reinvesting in their homes. This was money earmarked for vacations, for entertainment, and they couldn't go do these things anymore. So they started building swimming pools. So we're talking about people who are having record-breaking years, more pools built in the U.S. in Lord knows how long. And then there's a fire. And one of our suppliers burns down. One of the big suppliers of chlorine burns down to the ground. Mm -hmm. And we start to get hit with price increases and product shortages. And then there's this massive ripple effect that goes across the other products. Then there's no plastic and there's no workers. And unannounced or unplanned or unanticipated, I guess is the best way, unanticipated price increases start coming from the manufacturers in every direction. So here's Andrea running a business. She needs to raise her price to her customer. So she does that. And that's the that's the responsible thing to do. But then a month later, she gets hit again with another price increase. And so we're juggling, we're, we end up juggling that. And so just to keep my, keep my thoughts clear, I guess that's what I'm trying to say, to keep my thoughts clear, to keep focused. I mean, what, what recommendations would you have there? Because this is, it is a lot. Sure, sure. Because everything you're talking about are things beyond your control, right? And so that's where none of us are comfortable. When it's something we can't control, we might not even be able to influence some of these things. And so I think that takes us to the self-care conversation. And usually when we go there, there's there's a huge population of people that just rolls their eyes, right? But it's not your mama's self-care, right? So bear with me as I sort of walk through what modern day self-care really is or and kind of what it isn't. Um, self-care in the past has been very reactive and hugely stigmatized as a sign of weakness, right? Like right. I've um, I've hit a wall or I've had something bad happen and now I need to take care of myself, right? Well, the, the pandemic is a lifestyle now. And so our self-care needs to be a lifestyle as well. And, and we need to be very proactive. We need to understand that there's reactive self-care. Like I still want you to do that stuff, right? You've had a bad day. You need to take that vacation day. You need to take a long walk. You need to unplug, do that. That's all good. But do it with the knowledge that that's reactive, Okay. But there are things that we can do on the front end that are proactive that we can build into our schedules. And this is where it requires a little bit of new training for small business owners who don't make time for themselves and have never made time for themselves, but it's always been okay, right? Um, That part of that lifestyle has to include something for you. 
right? It has to include whatever it is that, you know, I mean, and it can be anything. I know um, some folks who like, you know, they do martial arts and that's the thing they do for them. And they've got four kids and a small business and all kinds of stuff going on. They do not have time to do that, but they do it and they do it every week, right? Maybe it's, um, you know, listening to a podcast like this one, right? You build in your time. Or like yours, because let's go ahead and uh, let everybody know about that while you bring the subject up. You do have a podcast also, correct? We do. We have um, the brain factor, which talks about protective factors uh, and how we can sort of beef those up in our life to for a, sort of a hedge of protection around some of the things that life throws at us. And, and we drop everywhere you can find podcasts. We're um, audio and visual um, on the third Wednesdays. Okay, you there called? you go. The brain factor. I know I kind of threw you off and I jumped in there, but you know no, it, it seemed that's... like the perfect segue and. It was a good oh, yeah, following. Like <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> but things like that are, are important, right? So like, is there is there a podcast that, I mean, there's a podcast for everything, y'all, right? So like, find the one that speaks to you, right? That's going to fill you up. Um, and some of this too, like th- some of the reasons that people don't engage in self-care. Um, and sometimes I find that people will preach it to other folks and then they won't do it themselves, right? So they know the value. They just don't know how to start doing it for themselves because I think, that people think incorrectly that there's like a menu, like long walks, bubble baths, glass of wine. This is what I'm going to do, right? Well, it really matters like who you are, right? So are you introverted? Are you extroverted? What brings you peace? What brings you joy? Brings you energy? Those are all questions you should answer. And the reason that it's important is, you know, if you're extroverted and all of your self-care is like long walks and bubble baths, you're you're not going to feel better. And you're going to wonder why, (laughs) because you need interaction and you're going to need some other people. You're doing just the opposite of what you need then. Right. Okay. Right. You're putting yourself in a box, right? So so this first step to a lifestyle of self-care really is figuring out like who you are as an individual. And that's hard because it's who you are outside of being a spouse or a parent or a business owner. It's just who you are as an individual. If you if you could be, who would you be, right? And then feeding that part of yourself. Um, it, that that doesn't make the problems go away because guess what? The next morning when you go to work, uh, you're still going to have a price increase and you're still going to have all the same customers to deal with. It doesn't do anything about the problems. What it does is it helps us become more resilient to them, right? It helps us get through that day um, and be able to handle those things that are getting thrown at us in a more effective ways and in ways that don't necessarily crush our soul the same way. You're absolutely right, though, when you talk about that, because it just clicked in my head while you were speaking. There are so many people that I know from this industry, and it's probably not just restricted to this industry, but if I ask somebody you know, to tell me about themselves, all of a sudden, they start telling me their resume. They don't tell me about their hobbies. They don't tell me what they enjoy doing. They don't tell me about their family. They don't tell me about their kids, their dogs, what have you. It starts out, well, I got into the pool industry by, you know, accident back in whatever year. And I planned on doing something else and then rattling off the cut. And I've done it too. I'm not knocking anybody, but it does tend to, when you're in that entrepreneur. It personality and you just yeah, or you get entre- lost in it. <laughs> I call it an yes. entrepreneur. So like entrepreneur, entrepreneur, but, nice. but even Lori Grenier says, right, that popular meme that's going around that an entrepreneur is the person who will work 80 hours a week so they don't have to work 40 hours a week for someone else. But then it does become your whole life. And, and what steps can we do to get out of that rut? 
Yeah. Yeah. It really does start with learning yourself outside of your accomplishments. When we start defining ourselves based on our accomplishments, and that's even with our family, don't define yourself based on being a good parent or a good spouse or good at your job or having a successful business, right? You are an individual outside of all of that and sort of knowing what, what, what is special about you? What is unique about you? And what value do you have as a human being? I find that the best way to look at that, if you don't even know where to begin, is like, who are you as a friend? Right? Um, because our friendships are approached differently. They're usually not approached with the same obligation. And I don't use obligation as a bad word, but obligation as we do our family, right? We've made that commitment. And even when it's tough, right? But who we are as a friend tends to be more casual. It tends to tap in a little bit more to sort of what those natural character strengths and characteristics are. So it's a good place to start, right? Um, and then start to challenge yourself to define yourself by that and not by your accomplishments, because it is those things that led to those accomplishments, right? You know, I'm a, I'm, I'm a person who, um, I don't know, who uh, is dependable and I'm reliable. Guess what? That's why you're a good business owner. That's why you're a good spouse. That's why you're a good parent, right? That's all part of the why. Um, and so, and so knowing those things about yourself can give, give, give you like more, can help you be more grounded um, in who you are and being able to speak to who you are, which again speaks to resiliency. Um, resiliency is, is, a, is an interesting thing because one of the things I learned as a master resilience trainer, and one of the reasons why I even pursued that in the first place is I always thought resiliency prior to that was just sort of something that happened to people. Like you were either born with it or you weren't. Like some people are just able to handle life and some people can't handle anything, right? And while that's true, it's a, it's a talent you can be born with or without. It's also learnable. And there's actual science behind resiliency and there's and there's six pillars, right? And so focusing on these six areas can really help us be resilient and help um, life not crush life not crush us. We need right? more of that. So life not crushing us. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so uh, connection to other people is um, you know, really building quality connection. Uh, is one of the pillars. Self-regulation and self-awareness are two more. Sometimes they're packaged together and called self-control. And I hate that because I don't, I think all of our emotions and feelings and expressions are valid. It's just knowing what brings those out in us. So that's the self-awareness piece and knowing when and how it's appropriate to express them. And that's the regulation piece. Um, and, uh, and so we've got the three there. Character strengths, which is what I talked about, learning yourself, knowing what you bring to the table, right? Um, and that an optimism is another, is is a big one. But again, not your mama's optimism, right? Optimism is not about looking for the good in everything. There's sometimes there's no good, right? And it's just kind of crap, right? So we, uh, optimism is about knowing that there's a, that there's an ebb and flow to life, that, that the, that the good times are temporary, savor them. The bad times are temporary too. There's something after that, right? And so just having hope, uh, and knowing that um, that life has ups and downs and really embracing that, that's that's true optimism. And that's a, a really good tool against some of this. The, this pandemic will change. I don't, uh, I've stopped saying it will end because <laughs> I, think, I think end is a relative term. We just right? need to get you know, to 2023, right? We'll be good. Right? See? No. <laughs> but, uh, but, but really like knowing that it's going to change, right? That, that even if like we're stuck with it forever, um, it's not going to look like this forever. It'll look like something different. It looks different than it did two years ago. Maybe not better, maybe not worse, but different, right? So with change comes the opportunity for better and change is coming. Change is always coming, right? Um, so we know that it's going to look different. Uh, and then the last pillar is mental agility. And that 
is what I see people struggling with more now than ever before. And that's the ability to take in new information and change our mind, right? The ability to hear new information, to pivot, to evaluate, um, and to and to change our approaches and change our mind and change our our look outlook on something. Uh, and so so doing things that beef up those pillars can really help us become much more resilient. The other side of that is avoiding things that don't. So avoid toxic behaviors. And I, I feel like that's one of the things the pandemic has given us. It's shined a bright light on some toxic behaviors, right? Like people, I've, I've always had a soapbox when it came to toxic positivity, but people understand what that is now more than ever before, right? <laughs> In the beginning, they went, I don't like that. I don't know what that is, but I don't like it. Oh, that's toxic positivity. And, and that's this idea that like, uh, you know, choose happiness and positive vibes only, and it's going to be fine. Like, no, no, it might not. It might not be fine. And, and, and we can't, you know, we can't just choose to be happy if we're suffering from depression or anxiety. It's not that easy. Uh, And it's invalidating and it's not helpful. And it's perfectly okay to have negative emotions and negative feelings. It's completely okay. It's part of the human experience. Blu-ray XL is the power of minerals working for you. Reduce your overall chemical costs and labor up to 50% guaranteed. Whether you have 20 accounts or 20,000, Blu-ray XL's direct pricing and free shipping to the pool trade have you covered. Improving pool professionals' profit and work-life balance is what they do. Blu-ray XL, the real mineral purifier. Visit them at blu-rayxl.com. Blu-ray all day. You know, I, I worked for a company years and years ago and during the winter months when it would slow down, and this is in the swimming pool industry, a lot of the different managers would call around to one another and then some of them were friendly and happy and the other ones like to complain a lot. And what I decided back then, and this is back in the 90s, is that, you know, people who bitch want a bitch buddy is really what it comes <laughs> down to. And if you don't bitch along with them, eventually they just go away. So instead of them just <laughs> dragging you down, just don't bitch and mm-hmm. they seek their own. It's like birds of a feather type of thing. Yep. So don't be the bitch buddy and you won't have to deal with it. It's what it comes down to. I like to. that. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, it's Andrea's owned a company. Yes. Well, I, I have, I still own it. it. I just am not, uh, I sold my route, so I'm not doing that. I'm working for someone else right now just because of all the stresses that I had. Um, you know, I started the business right before the pandemic. It was like the year before. And then I just had a bunch of personal stuff happen. I lost my truck that I was using. And so it made sense to make the decisions that I made. And it was uh, helped. It was helpful at the time. So, but yeah, definitely. I am not a stranger to the stresses of trying to run the business, trying to balance the personal life that is non-existent because you're just constantly answering phone calls from people. Yeah, I've been there. Well, I mean, you said something so important, Andrea, and I don't even know if you realized it, but I think you're such a great example of what needs to happen right now for folks, right? You evaluated what was going on, right? You you had the mental agility to to apply those things and pivot your thinking. And you went and you did something that worked for you right now in the middle of a global pandemic. But you also said, and this is the part that really jumped out at me, you said, I still own the business. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. 
it, you didn't abandon it altogether. It's not a failure. No. It's not something you're walking away from. You're just doing what works for you now. And I think if more people t- took your example, and for them, it might not mean I'm going to sell my route and go work for somebody else. It might mean something different. For some people, it might mean selling the business altogether, right? But what you did was you really looked at it and relatively quickly, like it feels like it's been forever. And we say three years, 36 months is not a long time, no. right? So, so in that time, you took in that information, applied it to your life, figured out what worked for you, and then made a change. I mean, what more could you possibly do that would be better than that? Well, I appreciate that perspective. Thank you so much. Uh, that makes me feel mm-hmm. a lot better about everything because, you know, I was struggling with, you know, this is a failure, this is that, whatever it was, you know, and it's just, it's really hard mm-hmm. to not beat yourself up, you know, when you've sure. gone through all this stress and, you know, my situation might not be the same as anybody else's, you know, obviously mm-hmm. everybody's different, but yeah, I, well, thank you. Anyway, I, I did what I, I thought was best mm-hmm. when, and that was to like, make the decision to stay afloat as opposed to try and save something that might not be worth saving. So. Sure. And you know, what is worth saving is you. Yes, exactly. And my sanity. <laughs> oh, that's what you did in the process. Yes. So. <laughs> but to that point with the massive increases in business that we were talking about along those same lines, it doesn't necessarily mean that you, you know, like Laura said, to back off to that extent, maybe we don't, we we plan not to grow. We just sustain and wait mm-hmm. and see what ride the storm out. And maybe that's our decision. Or we cut back to match the product that's coming in, the workforce that we have to do the job. Instead of, you know, risking doing everything half-assed, um, mm-hmm. we pull it back just a little bit. Well, I wanted to bring it back. Sorry, Rudy. I wanted to make a point when you said earlier about, you know, we did have this increase in people building pools and people, you know, getting, um, you know, buying new above ground pools, whatever. There was also, um, from my perspective, um, a lot more people in the pools constantly. So like, nor I would show up to normally people were at work, they were at school, you know, they were shopping, they were doing whatever. I would show up to nobody home versus now all of a sudden I have everybody in the pool all day long, every day. So I'm having to, you know, clean out toys, clean filters, extra, keep up with extra chemicals, um, more repairs, you know, more stuff like that going on. So that too, just, you know, focusing on that, like what you just said with um, quality over quantity, I guess, is what I got Mm -hmm. from that. But yeah, so just having to change your whole, um, the way you were functioning as a operator, too, was very stressful. That's so interesting. And that makes so much sense. I know so many people who, um, you know, and, and it isn't just something to do because you're home, right? Water in particular has great therapeutic value. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, swimming is something that, you know, we recommended to a lot of people that a lot of people found found a lot of joy in doing and found a lot of grounding and found a lot, you know, of um, uh, just just healing in using their pools, their friends' pools, mm-hmm. the neighbors' pools. When the neighborhood pools got shut down, people were really struggling from a mental health standpoint, not just from a boredom standpoint, right? So what you were providing, you know, and, uh, and I'm just kind of going off on a tangent now, but like, I, I wonder if there's not a way to lean into that, um, you know, in terms of as you're changing maybe what you offer, mm-hmm. right? Um, they're, you know, going that extra mile to really take care of people from that, from the therapeutic end of what their pools represent. Yeah. Cause people you know? weren't able to go to gyms and stuff like that. So, you know, their mm-hmm. pools were, you know, 
everything like, at some point. <laughs> yep. So more along yeah. the lines of a wellness package versus a service sure. package. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but it's true yeah. though. So amidst the product shortages, the price increases, pools did become more expensive to take care of on top of all of it, which, you know, it's like a, a kick, a solid kick to the leg sometimes or a punch to the gut. Maybe that's a better way to express it. That feeling you get when everything's just going wrong and you're trying to make it through um, day by day. And a lot of these folks are, it's not even mom and pop. There's, you know, there's no pop or there's no mom. It's just a one person operation out there and they're trying to do it all. And they don't have the funds to hire somebody to help them out. And they are taking this on. And then they're home being mom or dad and, you know, spouse and juggling all of those things. It's a lot. It is. I mean, even in a normal, even in a normal year, it's a lot. Have you found that, um, like, how how are you being treated out there in the field too? Because I would imagine, I know when when people are getting angry at the price increases and at their inability to be able to do certain things, right? And so much is automated and so much is virtual. There's kind of nobody to yell at, and then you show up. <laughs> Have you found that you're the person to yell at sometimes? Well, the the pool pros, the messenger. Yeah, for sure. And they're sh- and they're shooting. So, (laughs) I mean, they know, they know prices are going up. They know that there's no chlorine. They know that this is something that everybody has been dealing with, but the buck stops somewhere and it stops in their backyard. And that's when stuff starts to roll back uphill. Literally in their backyard. Yeah. Yeah. It can be challenging because no matter whatever the manufacturer does, that pool person becomes the face of everything swimming pool when they step into somebody's backyard. It always has yeah. been that way, though. We catch crap from builders and all kinds of stuff just because we're there in their backyard and we're there face to face. So, mm-hmm. but now you represent the whole problem. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. If there's no chlorine tablets, it's Andrea's fault. Why can't or you get it? You know, yeah. Or whomever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and we're, and, and we juggle and we go, we, I mean, getting product and getting supplies in the past two years has been a massive scavenger hunt. Uh, there's been no plastic, so there's no equipment. There's been no resin, so there's no buckets to put chemicals in. There's no people at the manufacturers to put the chemicals in the bucket anyway because of the workforce shortage. Doesn't matter. There's nothing to put in the bucket if we had it. So <laughs> we're going through all of that and, oh. I'll tell you, it's it's just something else. And that that's what we bring into somebody's backyard. That's what, And the people know these things are going on, but it doesn't matter because they're frustrated too. And then we have to start juggling different products. We couldn't get this product this week, so we had to go over there. And now we're using this type. And then we're using this type. And the prices keep going up. And we use liquid chlorine and this. And now we're using trichlor tablets and calhypo tablet or calhypo granule or whatever. It's just... It's been a mixed mosh in a lot of places. Some places have had to ride, ride their pH high because they can't find acid. Yeah, I was just going to say, I went without acid for a while, so I was praying that that health inspector didn't show up. The How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae Handbook, written by pool water chemistry expert Rudy Stankowitz, will be the most comprehensive guide on algae prevention and remediation you will ever own. Algae is the single most encountered swimming pool problem noted worldwide, but it doesn't have to be a problem for you. Purchase your copy of the How to Get Rid of Swimming Pool Algae Handbook on Amazon today. Everything, including your protocol of care, had to change. So it's all of a sudden like, you know, not that we don't know how to use these things, but there's definitely 
a difference in the comfort level. And we chose the products we chose in the first place for specific reasons. And now we have to abandon that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well, and it's interesting because what you're, you're talking about this sort of series of workarounds. And I think that people attempt to approach their mental health that way. They say like, okay, I'm having all these things happen and it's causing me a great deal of distress. What's the workaround? Quick, tell me what I need to add to my calendar. Tell me what I need to add to my to-do list. Right. And mental health isn't that way. Like we just have to take the time to say, what am I doing to take care of myself? Um, and recognizing that none of it's going to solve the problems, none of it's going to fix the everything you just said, um, but we're able going to be able to cope with it, right? Because what's happening is anxiety rates are going up, depression rates are going up. What's the big risk with depression rates going up and untreated depression? People wait like ten years before they get treated, right? Um, and then now we have higher risk for suicide and harm, right? We've had I, I've heard people say, um, you know, who are working in any business, you know, when they were looking at the business failing, uh, and I put air quotes for the listeners, they can't, they can't see me, but uh, failing, right? Because part of this is redefining what failure and success is. And we've talked about that already. But, um, you know, we've had people in mental health crises, looking at their life insurance policies and telling their families, I'm worth more to you dead than I am alive right now, right? That's the risks we're running right now. That's what we're up against. That's the elephant in the room, talking about supply chains and workforces and making this is where it leads, right? Because there's a human being at the at the helm of all of that. There's a human being who's providing for a family at the front of all of that, right? And so what toll does it take on that human being? Oh, absolutely. And, and that's, yeah, that's why it's so important to put in the work when it feels like you don't have a minute to put in work anywhere else, when you put the work in in the right place. And it's just, if, 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 if this should appeal to your business brain too, right? So if you do, if you do the right, if you put your energy and your resources in the right place, other things get better, right? Mental health is the same way, right? If we put our resources and our energy there, things will get easier to handle things. We will be able to cope with things better. It even gives us mental clarity. Some, sometimes we get overwhelmed and we don't see solutions or we make on top of these difficult situations, we might make stupid mistakes, right? Because we're not sleeping and we're, our brains are scattered and all of that stuff. And if we invest a little bit in our mental health, we're going to be able to have the clarity to catch that stuff, to be sharp, to be creative, to be innovative, and it be a success and an accomplishment and not something that's crushing us, right? We have to take the time to take care of you. Yep. You have to schedule yep, that in. time. I mean, that's it's a hard thing to do. It really is. I mean, I did mm-hmm. like the point about, you know, describing yourself as yourself as a friend mm-hmm. instead of a, you know, instead of your resume, which is great. I mean, some of us, and if you're a crappy friend, just stick to the resume, right? <laughs> and just, um, it's what it comes down to. But one of the things I always tell folks to do, and this applies in these years as well, and, and this was a big problem for me because I, you know, put my head down and I worked and I charged forward. And very rarely did I take the time to stop, take a breath and look behind me and see what I've accomplished and celebrate that. Not a big celebration, but just a oh, hey, look what I did. And it applies even more now in this time, adverse conditions, despite everything that was going on, despite what you're going through, you still have had some successes. And that's awesome because this has not been an easy couple of years. So for sure. You've told me that we talk about, sorry, but Rudy's told me that before too. And it it really does help to 
to stop and think like, because for me, I tend to be really hard on myself and I tend to be really negative with myself all the time. So, you know, everything pretty much I consider as a failure until I have to stop and look at it. And, you know, what he just said, stop and turn around and look at all the things that you have accomplished. And even if it's something small or it seems small to you at the time, if you turn around and you look at it, that can be a bright spot in a, in a dark path that you think you left, but you didn't really leave it. You're just being. Absolutely. And, And as human beings too, we, we weigh negative and positive really differently, right? That negative stuff is way heavier and we give that much more value. It's easier to remember for sure. So easy to remember and, and analyze and turn it over. And if somebody says like, like, oh, why was that such a bad thing? Oh my gosh, you could talk about that for 20 minutes, whether they want you to or not, right? Um, but if you're like, hey, I did this thing, it was pretty cool. And someone's like, well, why was that good? I don't know, it was just good, right? Yeah. <laughs> like we don't we don't analyze it the same way. So even forcing ourselves to do that to create balance, right? Um, but but one of the things is, you know, we, we've always looked at mental health, particularly small business owners. And I saw this with my father growing up, like I'll take care of myself later, right? Yeah. I'll get there later, later. Well, it's later, guys. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to later. We're here. This is what <laughs> later looks like. Okay. This is what later looks like, you know, and, and little things like if you've, let's say you've, you've had to go to a four day work week, right. Cause of staffing or, or volume or whatever. Right. Well, now you have a day. Yeah. Let's use it, you know, use that not to try to figure out how to fix all the things that are beyond your scope of control, but work on you, you know, do something for you. Well, that's fantastic. Well, Laura, thank you so much. And again, the name of your podcast, once again, throw it out there. The Brain Factor. The Brain Factor on Apple Podcasts, mm-hmm. Spotify, and everywhere that great podcasts are found. Thank you so much for coming and joining us to talk about this topic because it is super important. And it's not something that folks always do because you know what? You're struggling. You work harder. That's what we heard growing up. And mm-hmm. that's not been found not to be the right thing to do. Correct. Mm-hmm. You got to take. Yep. Yep. take a step back sometimes. So Andrea, did you have any other questions for Laura before we let her go? Um, not any questions, just thanks for being here in general. Um, I'm in a place where uh, this is coincidentally very helpful for me. So I appreciate everything that you said. And thank you so much. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, thanks for having me guys. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. And, and I'm a so follower everybody- now, by the way. <laughs> I follow the podcast now. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I follow the podcast as well. I have I to. I would hope so. <laughs> <laughs> so, everybody, thank you for tuning in with us this week. Again, super important topic. Laura Holly from Meridian Behavioral Health, thank you so much for joining us. Check out her podcast as well. And we will talk to you again next week. You know, same thing. Hit us with the uh, socials, the follows, the star reviews. Hit our friends with some good star reviews and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, thanks for listening. And we appreciate you.
just wanted to take a minute to say thank you for listening today. I'm hoping you enjoyed the episode as much as we enjoyed putting it together for you. Listen, it's been a couple of wacky, crazy, screwed up years from pandemic to Poolmageddon. I just want you to know that we are all in this together. If there's anything that we can do for you, send me an email at talkingpools at gmail.com. Again, that's talkingpools at gmail.com. We're here. This is your podcast. We are the Pool People's Podcast of the Pool People for the Pool People by the Pool People's Podcast. This one is about you. So thank you for tuning in and listening. Do me a favor. Click subscribe before you go. That way you don't miss an episode. 